Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Thank you for listening to Parenting Our Future, which is in the top 0.5% of all podcasts worldwide. Before we dive into this episode, I wanna invite you to join my membership site, The Parent Toolbox. You can join this membership for free. It's at www.parent-toolbox.com. And this is the companion site to my show, Parenting Our Future. In The Parent Toolbox, you will find game-changing tools and resources from both myself and my guest experts who are among some of the top minds in the parenting space. There are over a hundred resources to help you navigate screen time, co-parenting, meltdown, teenagers, and so much more. Join today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hey everybody, it's Robin here. Welcome to Parenting Our Future. Oh my gosh, you guys have heard of Dr. Noreen Russell before. She has been on twice. In fact, when we first met, we had so much to talk about that we ended up doing a double episode. That's why you've you've heard from her twice. But I can tell you, she is somebody you want to know that you want to have in your corner. I would like to just like bundle her up and like bring her to where I am so that I could just have her close by and I kind of want her to be my friend. But anyway, um, just tell you who she is, what she's all about. So Dr. Noreen Russell began Russell coaching for students in 2009 and is now a premier national coaching practice for middle school through college students with students across the the US and Canada, her passion for providing support to frustrated students and weary parents is fueled by her own experience of raising her two complex children who are both uh, neurologically atypical. Dr. Russell knows firsthand the exhaustion parents face as they day in and day out seek solutions for their out-of-box children and the entire team at Russell Coaching is committed to supporting the psychological well-being, education, and family life of their clients. Dr. Noreen Russell, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Robin, thanks for having me back. It's such a pleasure. I enjoyed our conversations last time so much, and I'm looking forward to today. Yes, thank you. And I will say, you know, when we talk about your kids and and the experience that you have, so you're not just teaching other parents, you're living it too. And so you've got two kids and their diagnoses include autism, mood disorders, ADHD, giftedness, and learning differences. Wow. Like what a roller coaster that must be. It is. It is. And, you know, we know that a lot of these things tend to coexist, right? Like more than two thirds of people with ADHD also have something else. We know that most of the time dyslexia or, you know, learning disability and reading comes with something else, often ADHD, you know, we know the mood disorders can come together, you know, and so I'm not atypical in, you know, the population of special needs parents. And that's one of the things I think that we can highlight today is you might feel alone on your block or at your school, but if you have a complex kid, you're not alone. There is support out there. Yeah. You know, it's, you are the one that said to me, and now I say this all the time that ADHD usually brings a friend (laughs) right in the form of OCD or Tourette's or, you know, whatever, lots of different things. So, so, and thank you for that message about not being alone because it does feel very lonely. And so, um, 
you know, as we record this, uh, I'm going through something right now personally, and, um, you know, not something that I'm really ready to talk about. It is something with one of my boys and, um, you know, there, there, there may be another diagnosis on the horizon for us. And it's hit me in a way that I didn't expect. And, you know, Hey, I do this all day long, right? I, I know about kids who are not neurotypical that, you know, have extra needs and I'm facing something new and different. And I think I'm in a place where I sort of forgot how hard it is. And I find myself questioning myself, my reaction. I, uh, I'm beating myself up about it. And, um, the only reason that I'm talking about it is because you and I talked about it beforehand. I sort of barfed out some, some stuff that I'm going through to poor, to poor Dr. Russell. And I, uh, and you said some really beautiful things to me. And I wonder if you can sort of say those again, because I want everybody to have the experience that I just had Yeah, for, for you, if you're going through this too. Yeah. So, you know, and Robin, as I say this, you know, take it back in for you. Um, we, as parents of kids who are atypical, neurologically diverse, whatever is the language that you prefer. Um, but those who have kids with ADHD, autism, learning differences, mood disorders, um, other neurological and developmental issues, you know, there's so much to unpack when we're on this journey, right? And there's the, wait, should is that typical? Is that normal stage, you know, where you're like, wait, is, is there something going on? And that's very unsettling. And then, you know, you kind of look and you listen and you learn and you watch and you think, oh, maybe I should talk to the pediatrician. Oh, maybe we should get an evaluation. And that part is scary and difficult and hard, right? Mm -hmm. Or someone else says to you, I think you should get an evaluation of your child. That's hard too. And then really, it can be like so earth shattering to get a diagnosis. Um, and maybe you knew it was there or maybe you didn't, but the feelings we have as parents of wanting to do our best, right? Of wanting to protect our kids, of wanting to make sure that they're able to thrive educationally, socially, emotionally in the community. It is very difficult to absorb these diagnoses. And of course, you know, physical illnesses, the same thing is true. But but what we're talking about today, you know, are parents of kids with autism, ADHD, learning differences, you know, neurodevelopmental disorders. And what I want to say to you and did say to you, but want to say to your listeners is be prepared for these intense emotions and and to the best of your ability without adding something to beat yourself up about, allow yourself to sit with those. Just you know, say to yourself, these kinds of intense feelings are normal. These kinds of intense feelings are because I am a responsible, caring parent and I'm concerned. 
these kinds of intense feelings are coming from a place of wanting to make sure I do the right thing. You know, acknowledge that, you know, the intensity of the feelings comes from love inside you. And, and that's really what I would say to people is don't beat yourself up about feeling all the things you feel. Acknowledge that that comes from, I love my kid and I, you know, want what's best for them. And I want to be prepared to be the parent they need. And, and all of that comes from a place of love and special needs parents. You are not alone in wanting that mm-hmm. every parent wants that. And those of us who have kids who are similarly diagnosed, we also want that. It's yeah. love. Yeah. And I think that's really the beautiful thing as I wipe my tears away here um, is you giving um, you giving us the permission to feel it. You know, when I was talking to you before, I was like, well, I'm really making it about myself. And, you know, I realize everything I'm saying is about me. And there is some stuff that, you know, I am processing and, and I do feel bad about it. I feel like, well, no, I should be able to handle this. Like, this is what I would tell a client. This is what I would tell the parents that I work with. And (laughs) here I am, you know, feeling these feelings about it. And for some reason I feel like, oh no, well, I shouldn't feel that. And that's not doing myself a service at all. Is it? No, no. And, and you're doing kind of exactly what the other part of your brain is telling you, like, I need to process this. So I'm having feelings. We get so used to as problem solvers. And I think to some extent as moms caught up in, you know, the logical, practical, what has to get done side of things. But honestly, you know, this more than taking a walk or getting an expensive cup of coffee, this is self-care, right? Is acknowledging how you're feeling and kind of wrapping your arms around yourself. Like it's okay to take time for yourself. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be relieved, you know? Um, So yes, it does have to be about you. And because you're wise and smart, you also recognize at some point, it's not going to be about you. At some point, you're going to have processed enough that you're going to figure out what are the conversations that you need to have with your child or teenager about this diagnosis? And, and it's not going to be that intense, but in the beginning, it's really intense. And so again, parents, that is normal. That is okay. That comes from a place of love. You wouldn't want it to not be intense. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And and you're right. It totally makes sense. And I, I, I identify with what you're saying too, right? Like you, you, you know, if you think maybe your child has some, your, your child has a diagnosis or, or is something somewhat, gosh, I can't even, I can't even say it right. Anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that you second guess yourself then. And you think, well, 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 no, I'm just making this up or, oh, I'm just, you know, like we're just, it's just such a tough place to be, right? If you bring it up to your pediatrician or your, your, your doctor, you know, you feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't look at my kid that way. Or if you're faced with it and blindsided by it, oh, well, how how did I miss it? How could I not see it? How could I be so dumb? Right? Like, it's just like you can't win. Right? So you've really got to, you know, what, what do you say about that? How, how do you help parents walk through that? Asking for a friend. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'll answer for a friend. Um, you know, so some of the things I think we want to acknowledge first, 
you know, it's okay to grieve. Grieving doesn't mean you think it's catastrophic or it's the end of the world or that you're putting a negative label on your child. It's okay to grieve because you are grieving that certain things are going to be different than you expected. And that's okay. That's honoring your thoughts and feelings. And so, you know, I would say don't, don't beat yourself up for feeling sad or disappointed that your child has a neurodevelopmental diagnosis. Your child isn't any different than before they got the diagnosis. You love them. You care about them. You want to be connected with them. You know, all the things you need to do as a parent, you know, so grief is normal. I think we also want to normalize the tears and the crying and some of that, I think for some of us comes from not feeling in control of things at the moment, right? Like what's going to happen? What's going to be needed? How do I prepare? Which again, comes from a place of love, right? And I think along with the grief and the crying, we should acknowledge that it would be completely normal and reasonable and logical to seek out a therapist or seek out a parent coach, right? Because not everyone on your block, not everyone at parents night, not everyone in your family is going to truly understand what you're going through. They care, right? They may love you endlessly, but you do need to find someone who understands what it is that you're going through. And that there's so many options for that. A therapist who specializes in neurodevelopmental disorders, a support group online, right? One person, a friend, you know, um, but we need to find someone who truly understands and is willing to learn more about our particular journey. So grief is okay. Crying is okay. And therapy is okay. Finding a parent coach is okay. Mm, I love that. I love that. So in other words, surround yourself with some love and support in one yeah. way or another. And I would say, keep trying until you get it. You know, if, if, if you're being sort of blown off by a friend or, or something, you know, no, you, you just keep, keep trying. Cause there are kind, compassionate people who, who can relate and identify and, and want to hear you want to hold space for you and your feelings because they matter. And I think too, that as you go through it uh, and allowing yourself to go through, it just means that you can kind of get it over with and then be there fully for your child too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with family and friends, you know, the reality is we have to be prepared to share our journey and to share what we need. And so that's hard to figure out, but I've found, and you know, mine are in the teenage years now that the more I can identify, so what does this mean? You know, my son has these disorders. My daughter has these diagnoses. What does this mean about my child that I want you to know? And mm. what does it mean for my experience of parenting? You know, and then explaining that you know, inviting your mom, your cousin, your sister, your sister-in-law, your brother to have a conversation with you about what does this look like in my family and for me, mm. because they're not going to automatically get it. And the thing with, you know, 
many of these neurodevelopmental disorders is things can look so typical at times and then it can be so messy at home or, mm. you know, sometimes in the classroom. And so I really feel like while it would be great, you know, if you had someone in your family who automatically understood, I think if you acknowledge that you might have to do some of the initial educating of that person, I've had tons and tons of parents ask me to do a grandparents class yes. to explain how can grandparents be supportive because they have the best of intentions, but they don't know the information. Right. And so, so yeah, it's another thing to take on as a parent of a special needs kid, it will pay off. Right. If you, if you have someone in your family, in your friend group, in your neighborhood group, who really gets your parenting experience, it will pay off. That is such a great point. And in fact, as you were talking before you even said grandparents, I was thinking to myself that, you know, we've had to do that too. And there was a dinner that we had uh, not, not too long ago and my in-laws were there and my father-in-law was looking at one of my boys and says, wow, he just never stops talking. And I said, yeah, that's the ADHD. Like that's, it's not his fault. Right. And so, and he kind of, you know, oh, okay. You know, um, and I didn't do that. I didn't do, I hadn't explained things like that. In fact, there's part of our family. We kept my, my, one of my son's diagnoses secret from because they weren't safe with it, to be honest. And we didn't want the whole world to know. And, and I think that there is a side of, you know, I recognize now after years and years that a diagnosis is not the end it's really the beginning and the opening of better understanding and say oh so that's why you know it's not because you're trying to be difficult <laughs> it's because you just can't do it any other way and it just allows us to say oh okay got it now i know but before i was so worried that it would be this wall that now all you see is this diagnosis and you do not see my kid and i was so scared of that so I've, I've been through that, you know, and now faced with something new, I, I need to know that too, you know, but again, it's, it's, it's a process. And I think what you said to me before is that it can, it's going to be okay. And this might made me want to cry big time. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And it's going to be challenging and it's going to be great. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be okay. It's going to be all of the things and more than one thing can be true at once. Yeah, absolutely. Your child is wonderful and amazing and going to make a difference in the world and change you and teach you how to love. And they're going to have really challenging days where their symptoms are super high or out of control. Mm -hmm. And you're going to feel discouraged. And there are going to be times when you're going to get to celebrate milestones. Yes, it's it's all of the muddy complexity, messiness. (laughs) of life. But a diagnosis, I think you bring up such an important point for your listeners. A diagnosis is really an open door to learning and understanding, which brings about greater connection, right? When we as parents don't understand why our kids are behaving in a certain way, we tend to give it, you know, negative motivations, or we tend to have sort of 
judgmental explanations, right? They're not trying, they don't care. Well, I guess they're just lazy. You know, <laughs> I've told a million times they're not listening, right? And so a diagnosis and knowing, you know, more about the disorder or disorders that your child has been diagnosed with, I think allows us to understand with empathy and then allows for greater love and understanding. And that's, you know, we come back to what is your mission? What is your purpose, Robin? Like it's about building those connections, right? And that's what learning from a scientific point of view. Okay. What are the symptoms? What am I likely to see on a daily basis? What helps with this particular condition, whatever it is? And what are we not in control of? Like, what's it just going to be? Like, you know, I know my kid's dad and I will frequently say, yep, that's the autism. And it's not like, oh, we don't care, you know, that there's autism or that we don't try to help, you know, our kids learn in some way. But there are times when you just... That day, it's like, okay, well, that's the autism. That's what explains this behavior that doesn't, you know, that I can't intuitively understand. But as in many things in life, you know, the more you learn, the more comfortable you're going to be, the less anxious you're going to be, and the less angry you're going to be. Yeah. And I think you're just normalizing it. Like, yeah, that's the autism. Like, okay, it's not personal, right? It's not catastrophizing it. It's just like, okay, yeah, this is what it is. Yeah. 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 And so what becomes really important and, and, and along the lines of what we're talking about is really taking care of yourself, having that community. And, you know, we, I want you to help us with what we can do to take care of ourselves. And I love that you said, I am so sick of like the hot 10 tips that we can do to take care of ourselves. Like that's just great. Right. So, so what is your answer to that? So here's my answer to that, right? Because you look at most of those top 10 lists of self-care for special needs parents or special needs moms. And it's like, well, what really differentiates that from a top 10 list of self-care for parents in general, right? Yeah. Like nothing really. I mean, I think I would enjoy going and getting Starbucks and having a hot bath or a massage just as much, no matter you know, who my kids were. So this is my answer to it is we need to identify for ourselves, no matter who your child is, what is self-care for you, right? We get to define that. So the most important part of self-care is self-empowerment. This is what I need. And it might be different than what someone else needs, right? I um, have a friend here, um, you know, our practices is headquartered in Tampa, Florida. And I have a friend here who has recently started a support group for parents who have younger kids with disabilities. And they get together at a coffee shop once a month and she loves the social interaction and they have maybe eight or 10 there. And for her, it's so energizing. She'll talk about it. She's like, it's just great. We all get together. We talk about schools. We talk about therapists. We share our experiences. Now, Robin, I'll say as an introvert, who's pretty antisocial, when she invited me, I was like, oh no, that is not self-care. Like that is not self-care. I need for self-care. I need to be home and alone. Right. Oh my that, gosh. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> that's self-care for me. Right. And so for me, support means being online, you know, 
reading things, becoming educated, reading others' experiences in you know, social media groups. Um, but I think what we want to stress to your listeners is that there's nothing that someone else can tell you to do for yourself that's going to feel like self-care, right? We have to figure that out for ourselves. Do you need to have lunch with your mom once a month and just cry it out? You know, do you need to be able to go for a walk in the middle of the day? Do you need to listen to music at the end of the day, uninterrupted for five minutes? What is it that you need? Um, and that's going to change also as your kids mm. grow, but only you can figure that out, right? It's not the solution for everyone to take a bath or go for a walk. And so I think the first part of self-care is figuring out what makes us feel better right? What makes us feel better? When my kids were little, um, I actually had, um, before I had the practice full-time, I had a job for a little while and I would drop the kids off at school and I would go through the Starbucks line, which, you know, is, is forever long in the morning. And I would get the most ridiculous coffee, right? Like the ice caramel macchiato with whipped cream and caramel sauce. I swear I spent the five or $6 every day on this coffee. But that reset me after two hours of ADHD morning, right? And so it was worth it to me, you know? I wasn't going on expensive vacations. I wasn't going out to dinner with friends. That's what did it for me. And then Mm -hmm. as my kids, you know, grew a little bit and moved along, different things have become self-care for me. Um, But that is, I think, the most important thing. Don't tell yourself, oh, I'll take a walk and feel better. Sit down and listen to your own self about what do you need? And then we can figure out how to make that happen. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that you said self-empowerment. And I think that also means permission, permission Mm -hmm. to like get your needs met. And moms, I'm telling you, you have to get your needs met. If you do not, who will suffer is not just you, but it's everybody around you too, because you're going to stuff it down, shove it down, or you'll just, and then blow up eventually because you can only take so much, or you'll be so tired that you can't do, you can't show up the way you want to. And then you beat yourself up and then it becomes a spiral. It's really a shame spiral. And that does not, that's not the place you want to be in. So it's like, it's like be unapologetic and say, no, I have to do this for me. If I don't do this for me, then where, how will I be able to show up for my family? Right. You're so right. Right. Like only you can take care of you. Only you can give your kids a happy mom. Someone said that to me last year and it's so profound. Right. And in the permission giving, it's not just giving ourselves permission to take the time or the money, whatever it is for self-care. It's also giving ourselves permission to say, to the other adults in our lives, whether it's a co-parent, whether it's a dating partner, whether it's family, I need this for me. I need this for me. And you know, Robin, to be honest, I don't care if you feel guilty or not, as long as you say the words, right? You can Mm -hmm. deal with your own feelings of, you know, guilt or do I deserve this? You know, that's fine. But just say it so you can have it so you can feel better. You know, like, Mm -hmm. do we ever grow out of guilt? I don't know. That's a whole nother show. (laughs) And then give yourself permission for things to get dropped while you're doing Mm self-care. If the kids are screaming, right? If they don't have a shower that night, right? If, 
you know, you order pizza instead of heating up leftovers, you know, the permission giving has to happen on so many levels because that's, I think what we as moms worry about, right? Like, yeah, I worry about taking time for myself, but why do we worry about that? Well, because what's going to happen to the kids while I'm taking time for myself, what's going to happen in the house while I'm taking time for myself. Yeah. We need to really have this very big picture idea of, you know what, like this is one of my top three priorities. You know, if you were doing that exercise where you put your priorities in the jar and like, you know, you get to have three or four big balls that you put in the jar, self-care has to be one of them, but it can't be something that, you know, you feel guilty about, you know, Mm -hmm. it just has to get woven into what we do. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I know. I hear what you're saying. And, uh, and I think it's very true that we're worried about what's going to happen when we're gone. And I think that is a conversation we need to really, like, we need to really think about that. Like, have I given my spouse, you know, do I do? Am, okay. What I'm trying to say is, am I so controlling that my spouse doesn't know what he's doing? Or am I going to, is everything he's going to do wrong? I've got to be able to give my spouse grace too. Like, yeah, you know what, if I'm doing this, then whatever you do is going to have to be fine with me too. Right. So we've got to let go of some of that control that we have. Right. And also this means you have to have a conversation with your spouse too. You know, my husband, he goes and plays hockey. He is the happiest when he plays hockey. I now know that I like, I will never question it. If he wants to play an extra game, go. It is what brings him joy. I see it. I see it so clearly. I saw when he couldn't play, when everything was shut down and I see what that, that he absolutely needs it. So I give it to him and he's so sweet too, because he like always makes sure that like everything is okay when he leaves. So he's actually even better when he does. But you know, I also have to, I have had times where, he's had his thing, but I haven't had my thing. And as much as I like to be home and alone, and I really do. And I like to like watch a documentary or, you know, to geek out to my stuff that I love. Right. I do also need to leave the home and find another way to do things. And sometimes I will, I'll just leave and I'll just go and do what I want to do. And I like to be alone. Like I said, so it's like going for a walk for me sometimes, or it's just going to the mall. I like to shop. I love shopping and I'm not going to apologize for it. It sounds, you know, uh, it can sound, and this is, this is what happens in my brain, right? It sounds materialistic. It sounds uh, blah, 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 right? This is what I do, but enough of it, like enough of the crazy, not the crazy, but the, the, the unhelpful mind chatter about it. Right. And I'm really noticing that in myself. That's what I'm really noticing. A lot of shoulds in there. It's because you're at sort of the height of the intensity, right? This is a new thing. It's, you know, getting integrated into your heart and your mind and your soul. And it's, you know, it's reverberating in your soul. And so, yeah, but what I love about what you're saying is this is what I know I need, right? And I am gonna recognize that maybe I feel badly about this or I feel guilty, but I'm still going to do it. And I'm going to feel a little bit better when I do it. And I'm also going to be role modeling for my kids Mm. that I'm important too, that I'm a person too, you know? Um, And that's really important because 
our kids who have additional needs sometimes can, you know, feel that much of our lives revolves around them. And it does, but the, as they grow and as they mature and as their brains mature, they also need to understand mom needs this, you know, and, yeah. and be a part of making sure she has that you're not too young, you know, to be a part of that. And you are a loving, amazing kid. I mean, I would say my son is one of my best advocates when it comes to self-care, he has such a loving heart and he'll say, mom, what do you need? What can I do for you? And oh. honestly, that alone feels like self-care, you know, and it's not, it's him taking care of me, but allowing him to kind of take on that role of, you know, moving things around in the house for me or helping me, you know, with something that I want to get done with the practice or something, you know? So I want to stress to your listeners, there's a place for tears, for crying, for grief. There's a place for therapy or coaching. And there's a place for us to say, this is what I need. You know, at, when we get through the crying and the tears and the grief, and we get our opportunity to be listened to, then we have to say, this is what I need. And Honestly, Robin, I think most people are happy. You know, if they're a loving presence in our life, they're happy to hear what it is that we need and, and how we can be supportive. And then they can begin to be part of that framework of our lives. You know, so if you are one of those people that an early morning walk is the thing that you need and your neighbor says, I'll come over and sit in your kitchen while the kids are still sleeping so you can go for a 20 minute walk, right? Like, we have to think out of the box like that. You know, that was always one of my things. I can't go for a walk in the early morning. Like who's going to be there if my kid wakes up, right? And so, you know, thinking out of the box, like, okay, I'm going to ask someone to come to my house for a half hour so I can go for a walk, right? Or I'm going to hire the babysitter to come for an hour, two evenings a week so that I can have a long shower. You know, we all remember the days of, you know, hopping in and out of the shower in 30 seconds flat. You know, how great would it have been to deep condition your hair, you know, or to shave your legs, you know? And again, yeah. this isn't what it's going to be for everyone, but these are common experiences and they're ones that are okay, right? So hire the babysitter to come for an extra hour, two nights a week and take care of yourself then. But that's the kind of conversation that I think we need to be having. What makes self-care particularly challenging when you have a kid with ADHD or autism? You know, what are the barriers and how do we solve those? Because it's not as simple as, okay, I'm going for a walk. Yeah, it's definitely not as simple as that. That is for sure. And so what you're saying is with self-care, it does also mean that we might need to ask for help to get our needs met, essentially. And what we miss is that we tell ourselves, well, asking for help is weak and I should be able to do this on my own, right? Look, and all this stuff rolls around in my own head. But actually the opposite is true. When you ask for help, you open the door to, to receiving help and love and kindness. You know, we, we it's not a one-way street. And when you ask somebody for help, you're absolutely right. They feel important. They feel loved by you. They feel 
I mean, excited and grateful that you asked them. They feel chosen, right? That you want me to help you. Yes, I would love to help you. Anytime somebody says to me, like, can I, Robin, can you help me? Or, you know, I ask like, what can I do for you? And they tell me, oh, I'm like, yes, I'm there. I'm totally. I'm so happy to do it. Let me help you. And so we have to be willing to receive it as well as give it. So well, and you know, let's take a moment and have a little giggle, right? Because when you let those people in, inevitably, they're going to say, oh my gosh, you are so amazing. How do you do this? You are the best mom ever. And that feels great too. So invite them in and let yourself hear and absorb all those things. I had such yeah. a dear friend so many years when my kids were young and she would always say, you are the best mom ever. And, oh man, that felt great, Robin. That felt great to be seen and acknowledged as a mom. Like you're an amazing mom. I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it. We can leave off all the long conversations about, you know, what we do as parents, but it just feels good, right? Invite yeah. someone in, let them help you, let them say, wow, like you're amazing. I want to hear that every day. Don't you want to hear that every day? Yeah. And take it and take it and don't be like, oh, well, no, I'm not because I, I fed my kids a frozen pizza last night. And then the night before they had mac and cheese, who cares? Don't worry about it. Just take it, take it, take it, take it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that is so that's so good. Okay. Do you have any last words that you want to just say to anybody listening who if they haven't gotten the point yet to, to get the point? <laughs> well, I think we have one more point, right? So we talked about inviting others in for help. I think we also have to talk about, you know, we have to make room for this in our budget that, you know, whatever is your self-care piece, you know, if it's going shopping, if it's the expensive coffee, seven days a week, right? If mm. it's a retreat once a year, we have to have a conversation, you know, and especially if, if we're co-parenting or cohabitating, you know, this is important. It may seem like an extra expense, but this is important. This is what it means to me. And we have to, because I'll tell you, man, did I feel guilty about those Starbucks? I really did. I, I felt guilty. I knew both things. They were both true. I was doing what I needed and it was expensive and it was worth it. Yeah. Okay. That's a really so, good point. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to invite your listeners at my practice. We've, we've started this year, some small group parent coaching. Um, I don't know, classes, sessions. Um, so we have one class that is for parents of kids with ADHD and it's five sessions um, and it's virtual, it's online. And um, we have another course that is for parents of kids with autism. And this is a new initiative at our office. And Robin, we are loving doing it because we're doing the psychoeducation piece, right? Like let's really understand ADHD or autism. Second, we're building the empathy, the, the love, the connection. Like, how do you see your kid as more than just their ADHD or their autism? And then in every one of the five sessions, um, we are doing a section on positive parenting, right? And so what do you do that's positive to build that connection, to build that love? And we've just had a great time with both courses this year. So, you know, if, if you have listeners out there who are thinking, I still really don't understand my kid's diagnosis, or I still really struggle with, you know, how much 
typical parenting should I be doing versus how much, you know, parenting for what my kid needs, you know, I would just love to invite them to, to join us. And so we are today going to offer for your listeners, um, 10% off either our parent coaching classes, um, or our summer programs. So it's a 10% off offer. And all they need to do is use your name, R-O-B-B-I-N, double B in there. <laughs> you got to get those two Bs. <laughs> two Bs. Um, yeah. Because knowing more is what allows us to understand and therefore to love more. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And Oh, so beautiful. So, so definitely. And you can find more about Dr. Noreen Russell at russellcoaching.com. She is on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Dr. Noreen Russell, and on Instagram as well. I know I like a lot of her posts, share her posts as well. So uh, if you follow me, you'll see some of, uh, some of her stuff too. Uh, I just really want to thank you. You are just, you have such a kind, loving way about you and, uh, and it's really beautiful. And I can tell how, how much of a gift you are in the lives of the parents that you work with, including my own. So thank you so much. And one last thing that I'll just say is you do have um, in the parent toolbox, the, um, a tool for us for, for parents, examples of questions to ask before, during, and after an ADHD diagnosis. And I think that's really important. You know, there are so many different kinds of ADHD and there are lots of questions that parents uh, will, will have. And there may be questions you didn't even think of. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just like when you're faced with something, it's hard to see the forest for the trees and, uh, and people like you who can help us to make sense of things. Cause you're just that much further along and you know about this, it just really helps. And we just need to lean on people like you and, uh, and thank, thank God there's people like you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your kind words. They mean a lot to me. They really do. Um, thank you for inviting me back. Um, and, yeah, this is what we do. It's what we love. Our whole team loves it. Um, so if we can be of help to your listeners, don't hesitate to reach out through the website, russellcoaching.com. So thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.